Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast, the flashiest anime podcast on the internet. And in this episode, we are continuing our coverage of the Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba franchise by talking about Season 2, the Entertainment District arc. Uh, I am Austin, your host for this evening, and I am joined by two other immaculate co-hosts. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves in Discord order? Tori here. How's it going? Going great. Who else do we have? And it's Sarah here. This is my second one this week, so um, that means I'm done with <laughs> Third Anime Impact Podcast for like the next two years, I think. I fulfilled my quota. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, you're you're legally allowed to retire to apply for your re- uh, retirement yeah. package at this point. Yeah, I've earned the PTO, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the other episode you were on earlier this week, will probably be out by the time this episode comes out yes. which is the spring 22 20 spring 2022 in review so if you haven't listened to that podcast yet go back and check that one out i haven't listened to it myself but i can assure you it's pretty good uh, but on this episode <laughs> yes the three of us are going to be talking about the latest entry in the demon slayer franchise but before that i think we want to just talk briefly about a couple of news items that might be a little bit long in the tooth by the time you hear this, but I think are still pretty relevant to mention. The big news items we wanted to talk about came out of Anime Expo. Uh, so something I know is very exciting for Tori and Tobias is a uh, new panty and stocking. Yes. Wild. <laughs> Wild After to hear that. After all these years... Yeah, it has been, that series originally came out in 2010, I believe, and produced by Studio Gainax and a lot of the same team that would go on to form Studio Trigger later on in the uh, early 2010s. So to hear that this franchise is coming back, you know, something that's been a cult classic for many years, uh, I know is a pretty hype for, for the fans of that franchise. So, Tori, do you have any uh, desires or expectations or thoughts about what you would like a new panty and stocking to be? Um, I hope it picks up where it left off and actually does something with that big reveal at the end of the first season. Mm-hmm. That would be nice. I hope it's not just like, a, here's a bunch of new stuff and everything else didn't happen in season one. So... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess we'll see. I just want it to be funny and stupid and all over the place. So Mm -hmm. just something fun to watch. I hope it's just as ridiculous as the first season was because the first season was just like unabashedly insane sometimes. I do hope that there's at least some kind of resolution for like what happens at the end of the first season. It's not just like, oop, snap fingers, everything's good now, but... Even if it is, it depends on how they play it off, I think, ultimately. Um, but I'm excited, yeah. Maybe it'll be like the uh, first episode of Space Dandy, where, like, I don't know, like something horrible happens and everyone dies, but in the very next episode, everything's fine again. <laughs> or would that be frustrating? It, it would maybe be a little frustrating. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Because I guess from what you guys are saying, like, Panty and Stocking does have, like, a narrative right like it has a story oh yeah vague vaguely yeah yeah mm-hmm. there's angels and demons and they got kicked out of heaven and yeah <laughs> also announced i think slightly before 
Anime Expo, or it was leaked before Anime Expo, is that Studio Orange, the company behind Beastars and Land of the Lustrous and something else that I cannot remember off the top of my head. What else did they do? Dimension W, Idolish 7, music videos. Um, That's what I know them for. <laughs> I love Dimension W because I feel like no one remembers that. <laughs> it was on Toonami <laughs> for like two seconds. For like two seconds, that is true. Yeah, anyway, it was on they... Toonami by the time nobody had cable anymore. <laughs> Oof. Yikes. Bad timing. Sorry. Um, so they are working on a brand new adaptation of Trigun called Trigun Stampede and I think that's pretty neat. Uh, Trigun has been a thing uh, that fans in the West have a lot of affection for if you are of a certain age um, because it ran on Toonami and they made a theatrical film like about 10 years ago and that was like the last big Trigun thing. Some other, other manga from the same creator has been adapted into anime since then like Blood Blockade Battlefront which I'm actually watching through for like the third time i i can't ever finish this series but i've started it like three times uh it is a good show i just need to to watch more of it but anyway it's coming out i guess it's a, a complete reboot with brand new character designs but it's from studio orange so it'll have like industry well it will have like best in the anime industry quality cgi animation so that should be exciting are, are you guys do you guys think you will watch this yeah, I never watched the original Trigun, so I probably will. Yeah, I mean, and I'll, you never I watched also... the original Trigun, so you probably will. Yeah, just yeah. to consume okay. it, just to kind of know. Cool. But I don't even know if it's like—is it a reboot, or is it like a re, or is it actually like kind of its own new thing, or like? I don't know, so I'm yeah. just gonna call it a re. Yeah. It's just um, a re. It's just a re. A re. Um. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was definitely a little young for original Trigun when it was on TV, so I never really mm -hmm. watched it. So it'll be interesting to see, especially because Studio Orange does such interesting things with CG uh, action scenes. So I'm excited to see what they do with that, for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, I completely agree. I, I think it mm -hmm. is an interesting choice, considering the source material doesn't really necessarily lend itself to being something that you would think of as being 3D CG animated but it will be interesting to see them do that I don't really have a lot of familiarity with Trigon either like I tried to watch I maybe seen like five episodes of it and I watched it in high school after I watched Cowboy Bebop and I was just like expecting it to be that good and it's just uh. not so that was a little bit unfair of mm. me I think at the time mm. so I kind of bounced off of it thinking like well it's like bebop but it's not as good um but if i go back to it now maybe i'll maybe i'll come at it with a different attitude of like treating it as its own thing maybe i would enjoy it more that way and likewise i will probably check out the new reboot because studio orange makes cool stuff mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and something i think all three of us are mutually excited for the final announcement we wanted to talk about well almost final is Finally, Mob Psycho 100 getting a season three. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Finally. <laughs> yes, Mob Psycho 100, one of the best anime franchises of the 2010s. You can go back and listen to us gush about it in our best of 20 the 2010s episode. One of my favorites, one of my favorite anime probably of all time. 
so excited to get more of it because the second season was just uh, stupendous, especially visually, uh, and the and the narrative just keeps getting better and better. So bring it on, more Mob Psycho. I'm glad mm-hmm. that they are taking their time and not releasing it too quickly. But on the same note, it has been quite a while since season two, so I hope people haven't like completely forgotten about it. But I don't think that they have. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. I still see people cosplaying it at events and stuff. I think people are still super into Mob Psycho. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's still definitely pretty popular, but uh, I, I just always worry whenever there are significant gaps between anime seasons because the uh, an- the anime fan half-life tends to be pretty short. Uh, and it, like, for example, it took a while for Attack on Titan to really get back on its feet again after, you know, being this massive thing when it came out in 2013 and then it just kind of lulled for like the middle seasons and now it's back to being really really popular i think because people have come back to it after a long period of time i don't know if they were following it all along part of this is Mm -hmm. speculation i know that but uh whatever don't Mm -hmm. care Mm -hmm. and then the last thing really brief because we don't know anything about it (laughs) the duffer brothers (laughs) the creators of stranger things are apparently creating their own new production company and they're going to be working with Netflix to create yet another Netflix live action Death Note adaptation to which I say please stop get some help (laughs) can we not as a society move past Death Note for at least a few years please have mercy on me I feel like it would almost be better if they just did something like a property inspired by Death Note instead mm-hmm. of just another live action adaptation. Mm-hmm. But oh well. Death Boat. <laughs> Death Boat. Anyone whose name is written on this boat <laughs> will die. <laughs> <laughs> well, most boats have names, so you might, I, that's you might what be onto saying. something here. He's just got to yeah. repaint it every time. It's also a lot harder mm. to hide because it's an entire boat. <laughs> mm. I can see this. Yeah. This sounds mm-hmm. coming coming to shudder. Because it sounds like a uh sounds like a horror movie that would be terrible. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Maybe they can swing yeah. that. Shudder's not that far yeah. off from Netflix, right? They might mm-hmm. have a smaller budget then though, but oh well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, one thing I feel is worth mentioning and maybe nobody cares but me, but the Mononoke movie hit its uh crowdfunding and is going to be oh. a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely um, something I need to check out. That's been in my backlog forever. It is a great show, and I think the movie is coming out probably sometime next year, if I remember what I read correctly. Um, and uh, a stage play, oh, cool. which will be really neat. Can yeah. You... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds pretty pretty fun i'm 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 always happy to see anime kickstarter projects take off and do well because that means that probably more anime kickstarters will take off and do well uh so yeah that's pretty neat um Mm -hmm. fun good stuff news news my friends okay we are going to take a quick break and when we come back we are going to be talking about demon slayer kimetsu no yaiba the entertainment district arc
Alright, so Demon Slayer Season 2, finally out. The original series came out, what was it, 2019, and then we had the movie in 2020, both of which we did episodes on. So if you want to hear our thoughts on Season 1 and the Mugen Train movie, you can check that out in our previous releases. But we're going to be talking about Season 2 today, so Tori, give us the breakdown. What, (coughs) at a glance, what is Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba? the entertainment district arc. Sure. So Tanjiro, Zenitsu, and Inosuke go with Hashira, Teng, and Uzui to investigate mysterious disappearances in the red light entertainment district. Tanjiro, Zenitsu, and Inosuke disguise themselves as geishas to investigate the mysterious disappearances happening in the three big courtesan houses of the districts, including Tengen's three wives who have also disappeared when they went undercover in the courtesan houses. Yes, so this is a bit like a investigative season that sort of uh, switches gears into being, you know, a, a big final battle towards the end. But we will get to that shortly. Uh, so a couple of production notes. Uh, a lot of the staff in this season is, of course, carried over from both the movie and the first season. But we want to go through them again just real quick. We're not going to do the full cast list uh, unless certain, certain uh, characters come up later. But as far as the chief director goes, that is Haruo Sotuzaki. He, of course, was an animation director on Initial D, Third Stage, the movie, an episode director on Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. He worked on the original Fruits Basket and was an animation director on Lupin III, The Woman Called Fujiko Mine. And he was also the chief director of uh, the franchise thus far. Then we have chief animation director and character designer Akira Matsushima who was the character designer and animation director on When Maria Watches Over Us, uh, the whole franchise of that, as well as, the Tales of, as well as the Tales of Symphonia OVA, of course. And with music, we have Go Shina, who's also done music for Kyoso Giga, Idolmaster the Movie, and Tales of Zestiria the X, which is the TV show for Tales of Zestiria and Tales of Berseria. And likewise, we have Yuki Kajira, also contributing musical tracks, who we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast and in our panels. Uh, She is a legendary musical composer who has done the music for Demon Slayer up to this point and also did the music for Madoka Magica, for Fate Zero, for some of the Dot Hack series back in the day. Uh, She spins gold, folks. She's excellent. Additionally, the opening theme, Zangyo Sanka, or Song of Reverberation, and the ending theme, Daybreak, are both by Imer, who is amazing and has a very unique voice, and chances are you've heard Mm her um, in Fate Stay Night and plenty of other anime over the years, for sure. Oh my gosh, um, oh my gosh, what was the name of the one with the gay boys and the giant bees? I don't remember. But anyway. the giant bees. Yes. Um, no, number six. Number six. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not wrong. There are gay boys and giant bees in number six. I'm not wrong. Good um, to know. Sounds like a solid recommendation. It actually, actually, I think I remember it being pretty good. Anyway. Mm-hmm. And of course, the overall production studio is Ufotable, best known for the Fate franchise and the Tales of Adaptations. 
So, folks, getting into talking about the show itself. I mean, as we start off, I guess let's just do general first impressions. Uh, I want to talk to Tori first. So, Tori, what did you mm-hmm. think of Demon Slayer Season 2? I had a lot of fun with it. I think it kept up the energy from the movie and the first season. Um, it was great to see more character development and everybody kind of like gaining new strengths and abilities and things like that. I loved Tengen. Um Got very emotionally attached to him for some reason. I don't know why, but um, I thought it was really great. I really enjoyed it and um, thought it was really solid all the way throughout. And Sarah, what did you think? Um, So I'm not going to lie. I'm one of those people who was like, I saw the movie, so I don't have to watch the first half of the second season. Um, the entertainment arc was definitely interesting. Uh, there were certain parts of it that I wish had more development to them or had gone on longer but ultimately it brought the fights that are like so integral and so good to the anime for demon slayer um and it also brought a really interesting like foil for certain characters into the fray and i think that it has done well in continuing to set up muzan as like this crazy insanely powerful um god but not god but god uh and yeah it's definitely made me interested in more in the future (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i kind of concur with both of you i mean i think that this season is kind of a very logical progression from you know what we've seen so far both in the in the in the original show and in the in the film in a way this season kind of feels and i this is going to sound like a negative, but I don't really mean for it to. It feels like they kind of did a very similar arc that happens in the movie, but mm. a little bit longer and a little bit more detailed. So I did think that that was interesting because they kind of have a very similar structure. Um, but overall, I, I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. I think that it continues to outdo itself visually. I think that a lot of the uh, animation flair with the fights with uh, Daki and Gutaro, which we'll get into uh, in a minute, were uh, very well done. Maybe not quite as uh, stupendous as some of the stuff from, from Mugen Train, but still very interesting. Very uh, fun ideas with the way that they do their individual combat styles and um, getting to see uh, a, a, the new collection of characters play out on screen is uh is just as charming as it always has been whenever it comes to Demon Slayer introducing new characters and telling new stories with them, with the exception of Zenitsu, but he's always the exception.
So I guess going on that, you know, sort of we kind of talked about it a bit. So what do what do we think of the new characters? Like we've got a small cast of, of brand new characters that we have yet to see. In addition to our, our four main uh, heroes, uh, Tanjiro, Zenitsu, Nezuko, and uh, why can I never remember the boar kid's name? Inosuke? Inosuke. Thank you. I can never remember his <laughs> name, and I like Inosuke. I don't like Zunitsu, and I can remember his name. Hatred is Brains more powerful are... than love. I guess um, so. It must be. But mm-hmm. anyway, we've got our main heroes. They basically entered into this uh, new city uh, under the tutelage of, of Tengen, who is our sort of new senpai character. He's kind of taken on the role uh, that Rengoku recently filled until his uh, untimely demise. Spoilers. Um, But yeah, what do do we think about our new characters? I I think overall they are uh, pretty interesting. I think Tengen, this might have been what you were indicating uh, whenever you said foils, Sarah, but was like he was a good contrast to Rengoku where he's sort of this like very noble figure who's kind of larger than life and his you know optimism and his prowess and everything but Tengen's a little bit more raw a little bit more rambunctious a little bit more of a loose cannon so I thought that was pretty interesting um yeah I think it was good to see that like the Hashira are definitely and we've seen it before but the Hashira are definitely just a range of personalities um yes I like Tengen and his wives. I think they're interesting. I feel like all we really ended up getting was a glimpse of them. Does that make sense? Because I feel like we saw mm-hmm. them fight a lot. And we mm-hmm. saw a couple of flashbacks. But we don't really know, like, day to day what do their lives look like, you know? Or, like, mm-hmm. I'm struggling to remember his main... He was the sound Hashira, right? That mm-hmm. is correct. Yep. And so, was his main element lightning like Zenitsu, or was it like air? Okay, <laughs> I've got a I've got a weird thing about that because oh, I okay. feel like I feel like we we aren't really privy to his main principal element in okay. a way that we were so obviously privy to like right. Ringoku's principal element because it's right. on his head it's like yeah. it's and, it's and his, his hair rope. you know and, it's, yeah <laughs> and his it, everything about him screams fire, fire. yes <laughs> um, yeah whereas with tengen i don't think it's obvious that he is the sound hashira because we only find that out whenever he says it uh so i guess that's interesting if you think about it, it is is interesting that he had to verbalize the fact that he is the sound Hashira. Ah, uh, hey, mm-hmm. ah, hey. He had to make some noise. Oh. Um, Thank you. His wives are interesting. I feel like they were mostly there. Well, okay, Hinatsuru had a like pretty semi significant role, but then I feel like. Um. Oh my God! Names Suma and Makio. I feel like mm-hmm. they were mostly there for like comedic purposes, especially Suma. Poor Suma. The freaking mm-hmm. face that she made when she was like, "Oh my God, he's still alive." Uh, <laughs> yeah. So good. Great faces. Oh my God, the memes. Um. But I feel like they're really cute all together, and that's nice. I guess. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. What did you guys? What did you guys think about that whole dynamic and just about Tengen in general? Um, I liked the characters. I was happy mm-hmm. to see that the wives weren't useless and just there. Like they were actually important to like the overall fight at the end and like helping the crew out to defeat the ba- the two baddies. Mm-hmm. But um, I do agree. I, I do agree. I would like to have seen more about their relationship and things like that because it wasn't really developed i think as well as it could have been i definitely think they could have taken a little bit more time even with the shorter episode count to have let us know a little bit more about the lives of these characters mm-hmm. i agree i agree with that quite a bit um i will say that i went back and read the manga chapters that this season adapts which is i think like volumes 9 10 and 11 or something like that mm-hmm. um and the there's that one particular scene where it's a flashback of like all three of or or all four of them sort of like resting after training or after some ceremony and they're all like talking to each other and that scene is not in the manga so So i feel like that was a nice yeah i feel like that was a nice addition because in the manga like they're even more like oh we're just coming in to help (laughs) and we don't really get a great sort of look at who they are as people which again might be something that comes later because we do have the benefit of the characters that are introduced in this arc are still alive whoa <laughs> thankfully and mad yeah, for thankfully. now <laughs> for now they are they are still living so mm-hmm. there is uh, ample opportunity for us to learn more about Tengen and his wives later on and maybe they can have more of a sort of distinctive presence in in the narrative uh so that i can kind of put on the back burner but i will say that you know within the context of this season i definitely wish that there was more there was there was enough but it was just like good enough to get like okay here's a glimpse of these characters they're likable thank you goodbye talking about Daki and Kutaro is probably something we want to save like for 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 the end but I do want to talk about the MVPs of this season which are Tengen's buff mice which are these uh, cool <laughs> little mice that seem to be like a joke that are uh, that like bring Tengen his weapons or something and I'm just like this is the most nonsense thing I've seen in the show but I am so here for it mm-hmm. I-, I love those buff mice I think about them in my dreams and I want to see more of them. Thankfully, the anime did add more of them because they're in like a page in the manga. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when um, Inosuke like has his head stuck in the wall or like he's yep. stuck in the wall or something like yep. that. And they bring him his sword. That's basically all you see of them in the manga. Nice. So they did sort of work with the buff mice a little bit more and had the... Um, I think they had a few uh, Taisho secrets involving the buff mice. So it was nice that they were kind of leaning into that and didn't just like erase them because they thought it would be too silly. That's never the right option. Yeah. Uh -uh. Always just lean into it. 
I think the thing that makes the joke such a home run is that they're not explained beforehand at all. It's just no. Inosuke's in a wall and he's like, I need my weapons. And then you just see these freaky mice dudes just giving Inosuke his weapons and you're like, what? Yep. And then they explain it. And you're like, mm-hmm. all right. <laughs> oh, why not? Yeah, sure. <laughs> So, you know, buff mice aside, I think really the standout characters in this arc are in the forms of our villains, uh, Daki and Gutaro, sort of in mm-hmm. that order. Because Gutaro, I see him as kind of like the the secret second villain, where, whereas, whereas like Daki is like, she's like the poster villain because she's literally on the poster and she's the one that was in the trailers and everything. And Gutaro is kind of like a, like a secret extra, like level up that she has like... Mm-hmm throughout uh the rest of her her battle so i guess let's talk about Daki first like what do we think of her in terms of sort of what the villains that we've seen before i think i mean for what it's worth i think like Daki might be one of the strongest narrative foes that we face so far because she has a really interesting lead up and a really interesting um payoff and her and Gutaro's contrast when standing next to Tanjiro and Nezuko as sort of these uh, two dueling sibling archetypes is uh, very fascinating and is in a way kind of a mirror of um, what we saw with the Spider family in season one, but it's also very different because the way that Tanjiro kind of looked at the spider family is that he was like, Oh, this is not the way that family is supposed to be. That was kind of his sort of read of the, of the spider family where they're all like being manipulated and manipulating each other. And it's like mm-hmm. a terrible, bad family dynamic. But he looks at docking Yutaro and sees like, Oh, well they're kind of doing that too, but it's more personal because it's just these two siblings, just like Nezuko and me are now. And seeing their sort of, um, sort of, uh, um, destructive relationship playing out and how he sees how, um, how that connects to him. Yeah. I mean, well, for starters, one of the coolest moments in the season was when Tengen decapitates Daki and it's like, oh, yeah. He did it. It's over. And then it's like, haha, mm-hmm. nope, time for phase two of the boss fight. And Gutero mm-hmm. shows up. I think that was such an awesome reveal. And like, I wasn't really expecting it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really interesting, it's, too, because it kind of flew in the face of everything that we were supposed to understand about the demons at this point. Because right. it's just like, oh, you cut their head off. They're done. Right. And then she just sits there with her head in her lap, like being very upset that. She yeah. got her head cut off, but she's not dead. <laughs> yeah. By the way, amazing performance by Miyuki Sawashiro as Daki. That girl likewise, cried her Erica little Lindbeck. eyes out. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. I said likewise, Erica Lindbeck. Like both both yeah. performers, excellent work as Daki. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I definitely feel like they have a similar dynamic of like older brother protecting younger sister. Um, and it's kind of what happens when that goes too far or, like, breaks bad almost. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I think 
they're just both so cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. I should yeah. be thinking of something deeper to say. But yeah, that was the main like foil that I was talking about earlier is between like Tanjiro Nezuko and Yutaro Daki of just like the brother-sister relationship and how different that kind of is and how like Daki has like she definitely cares for her brother on a certain level and towards the end there's definitely like some weird twisted kind of gratitude there but it's definitely not the same vibe Mm -hmm. I guess she's kind of a brat like big time (laughs) I was just gonna say she's like one of my favorite character types where she's this like really cool like gosh how do I even describe her she's like this really cool like strong i can do this but the moment something goes wrong she's like in the floor sobbing yeah whining <laughs> wanting everybody else to do it for her mm-hmm. and i'm just like i love you thank you <laughs> yeah you're just like mood <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. um <laughs> um but i, I, mean, it I definitely like is her. a compelling character type because you see this character that you know she projects so much strength whether it's like when she's, you know, uh, masquerading as a courtesan to um, be able to, you know, eat people as a demon, but also not let anybody know, or like serving Muzan in the battle against the Hashira and the Demon Slayer Corps, she she exudes this strength. But like you said, when things start going poorly for her, she freaks out, and you know goes back to relying on on her brother's strength to sort of take care of these things for her but it is a very interesting sort of uh, whiplash that that is done with that character to show to sort of show that like oh she's not just one thing and a lot of the th- a lot of the things that you think she is it's just a facade mm-hmm. and um i do agree that like those two are like tanjira and nezuko but on the opposite end in the extreme <laughs> mm-hmm. um I know it had to happen, but I kind of hate that they were killed off because, I don't know, it would have been cool to have seen them pop back up even stronger, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that's one thing that's pretty consistent about Demon Slayer is that just kind of by the nature of the story and, like, the the, the world-building uh, elements that are going on here, it's like, all the villains have to be killed. <laughs> like, there's really no Oops. other way around it. So well... it does kind of suck when you have good great villains uh, like the spider family and like Daki Gutaro which they're just gone they're just not going to show up again it's like they had their arc they're done and that's about all we get but I guess mm-hmm. um, I guess in a way that that can kind of be a good thing because it means that the author has to tell the best story possible with these characters while they're there um, and I guess being left wanting is a little bit better than getting content that is bad if that makes sense oh absolutely Mm. i would agree and um i thought their backstory was really solid like it i kept waiting for it and i kept waiting for it and then they dumped it all at the end and i was like that's terrible oh my god Mm -hmm, (laughs) like mm -hmm. like what happened to them is terrible not not like the writing of it was terrible but um yeah um and just just seeing like I don't know, I guess for me, it just to kind of repeat myself, it was like seeing something similar happen to another set of siblings and how they handled it in such a different way than what Tanjiro did. But like it was kind of 
like at the core it was the same thing like he was taking care of his sister doing the best he knew how to do but it just went off the rails <laughs> i guess it's 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 to kind of highlight the different the the sort of the big the high concept difference between Gutaro who uh, decided to kind of um, exert control over the world by using malice and by using um, pain and violence to sort of solve his problems. Um, even when horrible malice and pain and violence had been done to him to sort of make him and Daki be in that situation in the first place. But mm-hmm. you see the difference, the, the core difference is that Tanjiro responds to those same horrible things that happened to him not with reciprocal violence and malice but with trying to overcome them with the power of love and the power of yes. uh, um, uh, of of knowing that even though bad things have happened to him he has the power to prevent bad things from happening to other people and it is his responsibility to act on that um mm-hmm very uh, again that's basically the thesis statement of the whole franchise but uh whenever they they find new and different ways to tell that story in different contexts it it, it it's something i find fascinating just to for them to constantly be hammering home this point of like no our it, it's not just a it's just it's not just a physical battle of of swords versus demons it is a it is a mm-hmm. battle of you know how how are we going to choose to live life? You know what? How are we going to approach problems? And the difference between some people choosing to fix problems in one way and others choosing another path. So I guess I guess it is important to talk about, and they very much take like a sideline in this season. But Zenitsuro, d- Zenitsuro. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they very much sort of take a take a backseat role in this season, but I think it is important to figure out. So what's going on with Zenitsu and Inosuke? So I think the most that they do is they, they kind of just stay in their role, right? Like they, they fulfill like their comedy quota. Like we didn't even talk about at the very beginning of the series, how like they are investigating 
sort of a um oh what do, what do we call it like a courtesan house that that's that sounds very brothels they're bro- brothel they're, they're brothels yeah. yeah a vague <laughs> vague brothel a very chaste brothel um uh and Tengen basically poses as like a uh, like a dealer and like sells Tanjiro Inosuke and Zenitsu as as girls to this brothel so they're in these very silly like over the top makeup and and uh kimono and everything um and that makes for a lot of uh, pretty good comedy especially from Inosuke and Zenitsu but as the series as the season goes on like they just they kind of um they just kind of go back to being, you know, party members two and three, you know, fighting, fighting their good fight against Daki and Gutaro and trying to be as helpful as possible. But I guess what did we think of them in this season? I thought they were just kind of fine and there. So, yeah. Um, I mean, for starters, I really liked the first half of this arc where they all kind of had to split up and be on their own and investigate. Um, mm-hmm the place that they ended up and see if like okay well who's disappeared from here like is the demon possibly here what's happening i think that part was really cool and interesting i think uh you know skate's gorgeous good for him sorry bud <laughs> uh and i mean we do get to see zenitsu kind of stepping out of his typical womanizer role a little bit and like protecting some of the younger girls from mm. Daki's abuse for a little bit. Um, and then she knocks him the fuck out. But yeah. Mm. Um, so that's kind of a hopeful moment for me that he's getting some kind of growth and not quite being the Mineta of Demon Slayer. Um, and he actually oh. has like other aspects when interacting with uh woman characters but i feel like even zenitsu at his worst isn't even close (laughs) yeah i mean i haven't seen that much my hero academia but i've seen enough to not like that purple kid (laughs) and like to me zenitsu is way better than him like no contest yeah for sure honestly zenitsu is a favorite of mine so i'm like i was proud of him in that moment i was like there you go bud you can do (laughs) stuff even when you're conscious um because that's the other thing too, right? Is that his fight was really cool and he had some really cool moves, but like he's still at his best when he's unconscious and there's like his subconscious or whatever taking over. In the zone. Yeah. Inosuke. It's about the same. He's still pretty Mm -hmm. stubborn and like runs into things and like somehow manages to get it done. He had some really cool moves in the fight. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. I love I that he's that a dual his, wielder. Yeah. Yes. I, I think that there, now that I'm thinking about it, probably the biggest sort of uh, development for the two of them is how, mm-hmm. like, now they're, they're all working together so effectively. That is true. Yeah. There was a lot more combos happening. Um, right. Yeah. Lots of, you know, working together in battle, strategizing as they go along and, and new things show up. Um Especially Zenitsu and Inosuke, like working together to fight Daki, which I appreciated. Right. There was there was a there was a a decent moment where like the two lesser main characters get to face off in a significant way against the big bad. So mm-hmm. I I did think that that was good. Yeah, Tori, what did you think and, of the boys? 
it was definitely cool to get to see them go off and do their own thing and watch how they like problem solve and get to the <laughs> bottom of what's going on. Uh, literally, because Inosuke was going underground. Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> His weird then... little snake compression shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it reminded me of um, complete side tangent, but there was a scene in Stranger Things uh, where Dustin had to go into an air vent, and he's like, I have no collarbones. And so he likes snakes in there, and it, it reminded yeah. me of that from Demon Slayer. But anyway... Um, <laughs> Stranger um, Things, Kimetsu no Yaiba. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was cool when they kind of just show up and start fighting Daki. And it feels like they shouldn't be able to hold their own, but they do. And they get in all those, like, really good hits and get super close to her and everything. And um, I do like Zenitsu. Run away. Yes. <laughs> um, I do like Zenitsu more when he is in his sleeping form. Um, he's much more tolerable. But um, I, I do agree with the thing about feeling like he had some growth watching him protect those younger girls and things like that from Daki. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. They got their little moments. I hope they, they get more growth as everything goes along. So, I, I think they did a great job. Mm-hmm. So, I think always it's important to do a Nezuko check-in. Because uh, <laughs> we, never, we never hear from her directly. But she's always there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably my least favorite part of the series, but I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, Nezuko, still very much here, very much a force of nature in this in this part because you see her face off against Daki and transform in a way that we have yet to see in this series to sort of showcase, you know, her her raw demon ability and how far mm-hmm. that can go. And how much, and how much um, in control she is not, um, and I think, I think to a degree, we were kind of led to believe after the Mugen Train arc that like maybe Nezuko is getting it together a little bit. Maybe she can figure out how to not succumb to her demon powers. But I think with this season, it's kind of like no, she still has a lot of work to do, um, especially in like uh, whenever she's under dire stress and uh her life is on the line and uh she's able to you know level up to beat the bad guy she Mm. is still not completely in control um and i thought that was an interesting wrinkle in the fight um where you know she she comes out she fights really hard and is super super formidable against this like top level demon absolutely stomps yeah yeah literally and like (laughs) yes throwing her (laughs) limbs back at a breakneck speed and Daki is just like constantly inner monologuing and outer monologuing about like how she's being just absolutely wrecked by this demon that she thought was going to be an easy kill because we see a scene earlier where Muzan says like hey I want you to be on the lookout for this girl and I want you to kill her, something like that. Mm-hmm. And she's just totally blown away by it, rightfully so. Um, but then that causes like... a lot of trouble for for Tanjiro, of course. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate the fact that they let her get absolutely wrecked. Like, Daki just kept dismembering her constantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't like, oh, Nezuko's so powerful. Like, she never gets a hit in on her and whatever. And... Um, I, I see that a lot in shows and don't like that. So I'm glad they mm-hmm. 
roughed her up a bit. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, it was definitely a two-way fight. Like, it wasn't, ah, oh, she got an upgrade and now it's all over. It was definitely, um, there was an ebb and flow to it, which is mm-hmm. always good when you have any kind of fight, right? Otherwise, it gets mm-hmm. kind of boring. Yeah, it was a very well-paced fight. And uh, yeah. the way that the, the, the ultimate resolution of the fight not being like, I don't know, somebody wins or whatever, is that like, oh, Nezuko is like going too far. So Tanjiro has to like yeah. intervene. Nezuko's literally about to go eat that poor woman. Um, We got to do something. Right. Yeah. Let's sing a yeah. sweet little lullaby and make her cry a lot and become a toddler again. And here we are. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I loved. I loved that scene. It was very sweet. It was really oh, it was stressful so watching it yeah. at the time. But hearing him like sing his mother's lullaby to her to get her to calm down was just a, a really great scene. Mm-hmm. But all of that being said, I still think my central issue with Nezuko that has kind of been there since the beginning is still very much a thing. Like we almost like she's the fourth main character and she really should be the second main character but we never really get to see the world through her perspective like we never hear mm. her like vocalize or um talk about even in like inner monologue or anything like that like what she's feeling what she's going through we just don't get her perspective it's like so tanjiro focused and it feels like every like all of Nezuko's emotions are filtered through Tanjiro's lens, which I wish mm-hmm. wasn't the case. I wish she was able, you know, even if she doesn't like talk because she's got like the bamboo thing in her mouth or whatever, and she can all, all she can do is make little noises. Like they can still tell that story, like maybe in her mind, like show off what she's thinking, but that just never happens. And it, it does kind of bump me out. That's, yeah, that's a pretty valid point. I mean,. I'm trying to think. I think there was like, like she had something similar to what Tanjiro has where she had like ghosts of her siblings in her head being like, calm down or whatever, right? Am I mm-hmm. misremembering? Okay, yeah. So I mean, kind of. I mean, kinda, yeah, that's there, but, but, but I'm, but it's not like, it's, no, it's not you're like right. Her, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I think that that is interesting that that also, occurred with her but Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's tough out there for a girl um (laughs) (laughs) i'm (laughs) uh yeah i mean i don't it's if we really want to break it down yeah there's a lot of things with nezuko's character that really make her more infantilized or even like treated as less than human because she's a demon um that are like a little bit could be better <laughs> with that uh <laughs> I, yeah i agree totally yeah. i mean i think she's great i think her character is like there's nothing wrong with her character i think the issue yeah. is that we just don't hear from her and i wish that we did right. yeah maybe someday we will I mean, maybe if other I mean, strong demons can talk, maybe she'll be like, oh, wait, <laughs> all of them are talking. Maybe I should try that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure she's having thoughts and feelings. It would be nice to know them. Mm-hmm. It would be. It would be. I can almost guarantee that she has thoughts and feelings. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Wild in. <laughs> Imagine uh, having wild... thoughts and feelings. I know. Wild, wild speculation <laughs> on my part. 
But yeah, I mean, that again, that's not anything that I think is unique to this season, but it is something that is unique to my uh, criticism of Demon Slayer yeah. overall, mm-hmm. where I feel like Nezuko, like, she could be a more active participant in her own story, at least in the act of telling it, even if she, you know, is uh, encumbered in, in action by her, her uh, physical dilemma. But I guess more. I guess more will be revealed because, I, again, this is speculating because I don't know spoilers for this manga and I don't know what happens next. But I could imagine a fairly significant arc that has to do with, like, Muzan becoming aware that Nezuko is uh, extremely powerful and then he will desire her to be part of his demon rank, and uh, she will not want to be part of that. Um, I can imagine that that is a situation that plays out. Mm-hmm. If it's I had to, to speculate. Tell. It's hard to tell whether he is on a certain level afraid of her because he's so different, because she's so different as a demon, or if he like is like, hmm, well, let's just see where this goes. Like maybe, mm-hmm. maybe his call for Doki to fight her was actually just because he knew that the fight would make Nezuko stronger as a demon on a certain level. Too. Could be. Mm-hmm. I mean, Muzan I clearly is no stranger. Episode. He's no stranger to planning and machination. Yeah. And I can imagine that, you know, he may be one of those guys that's like, oh, I can just, I can manipulate my way to success. Like, I don't yeah, have to use chess. physical force all the time. Yeah. Man, no. Gaslight, gatekeep, Muzan. <laughs> no. So I wrote in the notes, Zenitsu report, do we still not like Zenitsu? But I think we've already covered that in that Zenitsu's fine yeah. in this season. Yeah. He, he's fine. Definitely okay. better. Yeah. But I do have an important I, question. Yeah. Go ahead, Sarah. Well, I like Zenitsu, but in a way mm-hmm. where I understand that his character is bad sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. a, a full-throated acknowledgement that the goober you love is still a goober. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can empathize with that quite a bit, actually. Mm-hmm. So, oh, no. Um, Wait. <laughs> um, so, important question. So, mm-hmm. towards the end of the season, whenever, you know, uh, uh, Nezuko has gone back to baby mode, she starts using, like, demon healing magic and my question is could she always do that or was that new 
Did I just miss something? I mean, I think the f- it's it's like flame based, right? And it's kind of similar to the flame used with the spider demon stuff because that was kind of a combo mm-hmm. of her demon flame and Tanjiro's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just couldn't remember if I missed something or not. No, I think it's just a new development. The same way that her growing to be six foot two is a new development. <laughs> right, right. And in the next season, she'll be eight foot nine. Yeah, exactly. With a eight foot vertical leap. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sixteen mm-hmm. <laughs> foot vertical leap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that was so funny when she just freaking lit Tengen on fire, and his wives were like, "Oh no!" <laughs> right. That was quite funny. Really oh good stuff God. there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, shout out to the, like the very very beginning of the season when Tengen shows up. And like has the one doctor girl over his shoulder and is just like spanking her behind because she won't stop crying. I forget exactly <laughs> what was going on there, but the mental image is just very funny to me. Very yes. giveable or jiffable, however you want to see it. So not not to backtrack too much, but I do think that a, a central uh, th- sort of a central narrative element of this season is kind of the way that Daki and Gutaro, um defeated and sort of the aftermath of that because um basically the structure of the fight is that our heroes find out that they have to like decapitate both of them at the same time or they will be totally fine so and in the end they do end up doing that and then as Daki and Gutaro are sort of you know turning to dust getting Thanos snapped you know passing Mm -hmm. on into the next Mm -hmm. life they uh they engage in this really visceral like back and forth argument blaming one another blaming the each one blaming the other for the current situation that they're in and it's just it's very mean-spirited they say some truly awful things to each other and that's sort of the kickoff for how we get to discover their backstory and sort of where they go from there because they're having this really um uh this spat of of uh, animosity uh, while Tanjiro and Nezuko are basically there to to witness it and I thought that was really really compelling part of of their overall story is seeing like you know how much they 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 do care for each other but they also are so vitriolic because they just aren't able to seem to help themselves that's just being siblings I guess so <laughs> mm, yeah. No, uh, the vitriol really is quite potent there, and uh, yeah. that's that's kind of part of the the resolution at the end because Tanjiro has a speech about it. Yeah, when he when Tanjiro was just like, "Don't say those things to each other. You don't mean it." I was just like, "Oh no, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. I can't be here. <laughs> I can't be here." <laughs> no, it was really yeah. heartbreaking because like Tanjiro, you know, has he has this kind of uh, ability to like see through people really well and like mm-hmm. identify like their inner self and how like it's like you guys are being really nasty to each other, but like you wouldn't be in this situation if you didn't care about each other on some level. So maybe chill, uh, which is kind of, kind of how he says it, but uh, you know, not to sound glib about it because like their, their story is very tragic. Like it's really unfortunate mm-hmm. and you can't, I mean, you can, but you can't really blame them for, you know, how they ended up 
in this situation that they're in because they're desperate, you know? Um, it, it's, it's, and I feel like the show is trying to get us to examine the fact that, like, you know, Nezuko and Tanjiro, they were almost there too. They were almost in this situation, you know? Slightly different choices could have really impacted the way that the destiny of our main characters could have played out. So, um, I guess that kind of made me think too, like, how do we think that this show would be like totally different? Like, uh, imagine an AU, if you will, if like Nezuko and Tanjiro just like become demons in the very first episode, and the Hashira are after them. Do they basically? Is it basically like the story from Gutaro and Daki's perspective in that illustration? I mean, maybe that might be kind of an interesting what if to explore. Mm-hmm. I'd watch that. Yeah, it's definitely hard to imagine because we know them as, like, these kind-hearted characters that protect other people. But maybe if they were, like, forced into it in order to protect other people somehow, Mm -hmm. um, I could see it happening. I, I think the hardest part of that would be Tanjiro's motivation Mm -hmm. in that moment. Altanjiro would just be a completely different character at that point. Right. Yeah. It would be rough. But I think he even says at one point, like, if the person who found me uh, in the woods wasn't, um, oh my God, what's his name? The poor sad man. The guy with the mask. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, you? Thank you, Gi. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> it's um, like my third favorite character. Yeah, so. if it was, I remember. If it was oh, not Gi, the mask but if it was a demon, no. no. Yeah, it was Gee right. that was that found him. With yeah, it was sister, him. Like yeah, you're two right. Seconds after Just he kidding. found his sister. Um, but if it had been like a demon, and the demon was like, "Hey, I can make you a demon, so you can be a demon with her," maybe Tanjiro would have gone for it because like he didn't really know that much he didn't know any better kind of thing true um true and then you're caught bud Mm -hmm. but yeah i think it could be an interesting dynamic Mm -hmm. i also think that the way that kyutaro and doggies um like fight ultimately resolved with them walking off together into like the afterlife i guess that was a Mm -hmm. really sweet moment um it was it's like ultimately they wanted they still wanted to be together yeah because they're all that each other had even if where they were going was really unsavory because doesn't she say something like i'm always going to be your sister no matter what or like something to that effect and i was like Mm no (laughs) (laughs) it would have been nice to see like a little bit more of a reciprocal sort of uh answer to that from gutaro but you know He's a he's a man of uh, little emotion, I suppose. A man of very little stomach fat. Also that, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also very a really odd interesting way fellow. of talking, yeah.
like um fight wise there were a lot of moments even outside of the nezuko fight that were absolutely wild like mm-hmm. tanjiro even before yutaro appeared just in his initial encounter with Daki, he did a combination between water breathing and fire breathing which like elementally i don't know how that works <laughs> but i understand that the elements in the show are <laughs> just like quote unquote visual representations but mm-hmm. it's like what what shouldn't one of those affect the other like shouldn't the water just anyway um don't 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 hurt yourself sarah i'm i know mm-hmm. it's all just visual metaphor it's fine it's all just visual metaphor we're good um <laughs> i've said my mantra we'll be good now so like that moment was crazy and then the moment where he does hinokami um mm-hmm. fire breathing to the point where he forgets to breathe because he's just fucking going with it he's mm-hmm. just rolling mm-hmm. and he does almost <laughs> decapitate doggy kind of and then it's like uh hey yo you want to try breathing dude <laughs> like his little sister just shows up in his brain like you have to breathe my guy <laughs> mm-hmm. um i think there were a lot of pivotal moments like that and also with Zenitsu and Inosuke that we kind of said earlier where it's like you could tell that a lot of their training that they had done since um the Mugen train stuff happened kind of brought Mm -hmm. on by okay well we're one Hashira down like we're gonna be the next ones that are gonna have to step up we have to like make sure we're strong Mm -hmm. so that we can protect people and and they established that like it's like really 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 early in the first episode about how like Mm -hmm. they do do they do train a lot like after they get back from the moog and train thing it's like that's the first thing that they that the season starts with really yeah it's like months and months i think too yeah yeah so Um, it kind of makes sense that they're a little bit stronger and it kind of makes sense how uh uh tanjiro is literally able to like basically not even care that his fingers get bent backwards oh my god Mm. yeah very disgusting to look at to watch yeah, watch his fun. fingers like in like purple and bent Just backwards twist. like for yeah. an episode yeah, or two. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. rough. <laughs> but yeah, you uh, even though there wasn't, I don't know how I feel about them not having like an entire training arc. But I understand that time is kind of of the essence because the manga's already over. We don't need it. Yeah, although I did really like like the initial training arc in the series was very mm-hmm. interesting. Um, with how he had to split the boulder and everything, mm-hmm. that was cool. Mm-hmm. But like, I liked yeah, that I get how, too. Yeah, but I, get I how like we're like at too, the point where like, we don't need that. Yeah. yeah, I yeah exactly. Like that's what I was gonna say. Like, do we? It's like, do we really need to spend val- valuable time watching them train again when we could just right. say, and then they trained, and then get back to the point? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think it worked out all right. Ultimately. Mm-hmm. I'm not too, like, ah, oh, darn. We missed him having an epiphany because of something that one butterfly chick said at some point. Curse it. Speaking of butterfly <laughs> chick, uh, uh, no Shinobu this season. She's just not there. Not really. Um, No real uh callbacks to any of the other Hashira. It's like it's very Tengen-focused. So next season... I guess we're looking forward to more of the Hashira being part of the yeah. part of the narrative yeah. unfolding, which, which I guess, yeah. which which I guess uh, leads us into a good section to kind of end on. It's like where where do we think that the show is going to go from here? Like, 
Um, I don't know if either of you guys have read ahead at all, but Tori, where do you no. think the narrative goes from where we are here, from, from where we are now? Um, I have not read ahead. I legitimately don't know what comes next, so mm-hmm. I'm not even going to try to make a guess. Um, <laughs> but I assume that more Hashira show up. There's an even stronger foe to fight. Um, they have to tackle Akaza at some point, um, which yeah, true. I hate him. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure there's going to be probably more training, and um, I guess I guess we'll see. I think it's something called like the the Swordsmith's Village mm-hmm. arc. I think yeah. that's what the the next arc is. So mm-hmm. um, that could be anything. I have no idea. I'm yeah. not even going to guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will um, say. Uh, Titles can be deceiving because, oh. to me, the Entertainment District arc featured a lot less entertainment than I expected <laughs> in terms of, like, you know, street fairs. And, like, I know they have the fireworks in the opening and the ending, oh which are fantastic, by the way. We didn't mention mm-hmm. that. Great OP and ending. I mean, we talked about the title, but they're really good. Yeah. Um, but, but I kind of expected a little bit more of them gallivanting about in the entertainment district, but it really Festival is fan sort of stuff. Oh yeah. Right. It is very mm. centralized to like the brothel and mm-hmm. the roof of the brothel. <laughs> and the rubble of the brothel. <laughs> and, yeah. and a completely devastated town afterwards. Yeah. yeah I um, felt bad for all those people. <laughs> same. Yeah. Um, well, for the next arc, since it's the Swordsmith Village, I'm excited to see more of the wacky Swordsmith dudes that we've seen before. They're yes. kind of funny. Interested in knowing more about how swords for demon slayers are made. That's always cool to get into the nitty gritty of it. Because um, like before we've gotten general stuff about like, oh, the color kind of means things, but like knowing more might be cool. I mean, also, the demon that turned Gutero and Daki into demons was a character named Doma, and he's got a really neat design, even though I don't know anything about him, and he's also mm-hmm. voiced by uh, Mamoru Miyano, who, if you don't know who that is, Heck don't yeah. worry about mm. it, but if you do, you know. Um <laughs> Well, He's if they insane. if they sprung for Mamoru Miyano to play that character, I would imagine right. he probably has a role coming up. Right. If not in this next arc, then in a future arc. He's definitely going to be a yeah. baddie at some point. If he's in, the, yeah. if, he, if he's the next baddie, I'd be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so maybe that's where Doma pops in. Maybe not. Maybe he's an even bigger baddie, and we'll see him later on. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, do they initially go there to get? New, did some of their swords break? I guess they probably did. They always break their swords. I remember there's a scene where Daki talks about how Tanjiro's sword is fricked up. And okay. she like makes fun of him for not being a good swordsman because his sword got damaged. Yeah. Okay, I remember so maybe that. they go there to fix their stuff and then stuff happens? Yeah. Or do they go there but did because his sword, they get like a warning? Did his sword break? Like, did that happen or am I misremembering? I don't remember. I'm totally blinking, yeah. honestly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't remember. I don't really remember either. But yeah. Anyway. I don't know why they don't just make like 80 extra swords. Because like if you lose your sword <laughs> when you're a demon slayer, you're kind of screwed. Unless you have a demon sister in your backpack. Then maybe you'll be okay. But like... <laughs> mm-hmm. 
It's Unless like, she's asleep um, or in baby mode. Can I have a few spares to take with me on the road, please? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Also, let's not forget that Tanjiro's legs are broken, which is why he has to run <laughs> around on Nezuko's little shoulders. <laughs> yes, she gives him a piggyback ride. Oh, my God. It's so cute. <laughs> Completely um, forgot about that. Thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> You're absolutely welcome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess in the swordsmith village, we will deal with some swordsmiths, or maybe Hell it'll yeah. just be a guy named Smith. No. And he'll be hanging out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I am looking forward to more Hashira. I know that uh, some of them did appear in like the little teaser that they're doing. Mm-hmm. So we'll definitely see a few more faces pop up. Um, but as far as where the narrative goes, I don't know. I guess they're just getting one step closer to dealing with Muzan eventually. So mm-hmm. let's see. This particular arc covered, again, like I said, volumes like 9, 10, and 11. And I think the series tapped out at like 25 volumes. So we're like almost halfway through. Oof. All right. So, yeah, I think we'll be talking about Demon Slayer on the podcast for at least a couple more years. <laughs> Fine with me. Yep, same here. <laughs> All right, guys. So, I guess uh, the final thing we want to talk about is, of course, the thing that we always talk about is, what do you think is the most iconic scene that stands out to you the most about this season? What specific moment? Tori, go ahead. I'm sure there's a better one, but my favorite one was where Tengen cuts off Daki's head and it falls into her lap and everybody's like, yay, she's dead. And then she starts screaming and crying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is a really good one. Yeah. Sarah? Oh, it's so tough. It's tough. Um, Okay. I'm not... 100% 100% as a Nitsu stand, I promise. But the way that they did lightning in this season was so good. So, like, mm. whenever he does um, the big ultimate, I think it's called, like, godlike speed, because it's mm. pretty similar to, to um, Hunter Hunter Killua's power. Um, but the godlike speed thunderclap and flash was, like, really good. Mm-hmm. Um also, like, how can you not say that whole entire final fight between Gyutaro, um, Tengen, and Tanjiro? That was so mm. good. <laughs> Agreed. That whole sequence. Agreed. Yeah. What about you, Austin? So, I ju- you just re- you just uh, reminded me of one that I'll remember in kind of a negative way about oh, cool. how I thought I thought the compositing on the final fight was really weird because you could oh. tell that they were using like. Um, stock footage of actual real life flames superimposed oh onto the animation. Yes. Oh, and it's like shit. completely forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, you can you can really tell. Like if you look, if you're not paying attention, you won't see it. But like if you, you look like at it, you can that. tell. Like oh, obviously this is like stock footage of actual flames that they and that they just kind of like put so a blurry busy filter watching the on fight i didn't look at the background oh no <laughs> yeah it was a little bit weird but it's just oh, like no. that's also that's also not something that ufotable is a stranger to because right. if you'll recall the fight between saber and yeah. berserker in mm-hmm. phase zero it like the very end it's pretty similar to that like also, very yeah. 
very mm. similar, and that was a decade ago. So mm-hmm. this is just the this is just the affordable way. You know, they're not going to animate <laughs> fire from scratch. Maybe it's a cost cutting measure, and they mostly make it work. It's only freaks like me that it stands out to. Anyway, uh, most iconic scene that I will remember. Uh, I mean, there are many. Uh, it might be uh, it just kind of any time Docky uses her um, her cool like um, um, like spider um, cloth thing that OB, she uses to like yeah. fight with. Mm-hmm. That that's always pretty sick whenever she does that. Um, but probably, in all honesty, it will be like the lineup of the trio wearing ridiculous hairstyles and makeup. <laughs> That's valid. Yes. Yeah. That's a great one. Also, Tengen with his hair down. Nice. Yeah. I, I yeah. Kind of, I kind of think he looks better with his hair down. Not going to lie. No, that's valid. No. That's yeah. the correct yeah. answer. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, I guess that kind of takes us to the end of the episode. Thank you for joining me to talk about Demon Slayer yet again. And you know we'll be back on the podcast talking about season three when it inevitably comes out and any potential movies that might come out as well. Because I feel like, considering Mugen Train was such a big success, it wouldn't shock me if they went back to that well and tried to do another Demon Slayer movie to advance the plot. I have no idea if there are even any upcoming arcs that would fit in a movie, but it would not shock me if they tried. But anyway... Thank you both for joining me on this episode. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Tori, where can people find you on social media if they would like to talk to you about Demon Slayer or Magical Girls or funny jokes? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I am over on Twitter and Mastodon, if we're still using that, I guess, at Worst Waifu, and that's where I hang out and do stuff. Sarah, what about you? Uh, best place to find me is on Twitter at UniqueXHarmony. Uh, I'm just there yelling about idols and retweeting cute shit all the time, 24-7. And I am also on Twitter primarily. I also cross-post to my Mastodon, so if you want to follow me over there too, that's fine. Both at BebopShock, and most of the time I am... Uh, retweeting people that are smarter than me or cool art or trying in vain to make funny jokes on the internet. Um, Yes, but if you'd like to keep up with this podcast, you can, of course, follow us on our main brand social media, which is at TI underscore anime on Twitter. You can also go to our website to find links to all of our previous episodes, including this one. So thank you guys again. Hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you in the next one. (laughs) 